Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Vela, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and today I am bringing you a deep dive episode on American designer Donna Karen. Uh, Donna Karen has been around much longer than I thought. <laughs> I guess I just never realized how how these brands start out. I just remember them from when I was growing up, and then and then I start researching, and I'm like, oh, oh, wow, you've been around since the '70s. Okay. Uh, so today we're going to dive into Donna Karen, uh, and we're going to talk about how she became who she is and how it actually relates to today's fashion, um, because she was quite the pioneer, and I don't think she gets credit that she deserves in today's fashion world, um, but I want to get into it. I want us to talk about it, and hopefully you learn something new about Donna Karen in this episode. So we will see you at the table. Hey everyone, welcome back. So today, I don't think this episode is going to take me very long. Um, I tried to really narrow down <laughs> all the ins and outs of Dara, Donna Karen. There isn't a ton of information out there. Um, there's lots of videos, like little snippets and stuff on YouTube about her career and all the different fashion shows that she's done. But I really wanted to like hone in on where her concept came from and what she really became known for and how it translates into what we've been seeing the last couple of years and how it can play into the resale market. I know when we think of Donna Karen, we don't think of resale generally. Um, the only Donna Karen line that I would ever consider reselling is Donna Karen. Um, it's a black label with gold writing generally, might be white writing too. Uh, and it's usually a cashmere piece uh, the real real used to take it. I don't know if they still do, but generally that that the actual Donna Karen spelled out um, label is, I guess, the more luxurious, more expensive one. But we're also going to learn that she has a a new brand that she has launched, which is her her main focus right now. Um, so we're just gonna get into it here, and we're gonna learn a little bit about who Donna Karen is. So Donna Karen, who is from New York City. She was born to uh, born in Queens, I believe it was. Let me look at my notes. Yep, Queens. And her mother was a showroom model, so in the fashion world. And her father, I believe it was her stepfather, he was a tailor. So she grew up in this atmosphere of fashion, being in showrooms, seeing her parents work on clothing. Um, it it influenced her. I mean, we've seen this with other designers that we've talked about on this channel, uh, on this channel, on this podcast before, that a lot of these young individuals grew up with a seamstress mother or a tailor father. They were around it and it influenced them wanting to get into fashion. So, uh, like I said, they were in New York City. Donna ends up uh, going to the Parsons School of Design, uh, but she leaves the college, and for very good reasons. Um, she ends up interning as a assistant, we'll say, to Anne Klein, and she did this for a few years. I believe she got fired as being an assistant, uh, but when Anne Klein passed away in 1974, Donna actually came back and took over as a creative designer uh, in 1974. 
And she was only 25 at the time when she took over as chief designer. It was her and another individual. Um, I couldn't find his name, but there was, it was her and someone else who were, were the design team. And this is where she started to create who she was as a designer. Uh, something that I want to note before I keep going is Donna Karen's nickname is the Queen of Seventh Ave. And we're going to learn why she's known for that. And it took her 30 years, 30 plus years, I should say, to build up this reputation. So she's at Incline. She's still designing for them and then decides 10 years later, it's time for me to launch my own line. I want to create a wardrobe for the career woman in today's world. No shoulder pads, none of that kind of stuff. Because if we think back into that 1974 time frame to even the early 80s, uh, everything was the, I guess you could call it a power suit, but it all matched, right? It all went together as one thing. You had a blazer with the shoulder pads that matched the skirt that was knee length. And it was, it had a bulkier look to it. This is not what Donna wanted to create. She wanted a wardrobe that felt like real life, something that a woman on the go who has no time to shop but loves clothes can put together. She wanted pieces that would basically mix and match. That's that's what that's what she wanted to do. And the reason why this all came up is because when Anne Klein was teaching her, the number one inspiration from the Anne Klein times was this flannel blazer design and the silhouettes that were designed for the modern woman. So she's transitioning from Anne Klein, which had that more traditional late 70s, early 80s power suit shoulder pad look. And now she's changing the silhouette. There's no shoulder pad and I'm creating pieces that can stand alone. That was the whole concept of her first big launch that she did. Um, this was still under incline, but it transitioned into her Donna Karen days. So the idea of having a standalone piece that could be mixed with anything in anyone's wardrobe, okay? She stood behind mixing colors and textures to create an outfit. And that's how she launched her first collection. She wanted a brand that related to the average woman. And she believed that no one, no designer should just stay in one customer base. Your line should appeal to multiple customer bases. And if it doesn't, then you need to be able to shift into a different different customer base easily. And you can see this is how the brand is still around today. Um, Donna Karen no longer owns Donna Karen. Uh, it's under LVMH and there was a buyout and everything that took place. Um, I don't believe she has any creative rights under the brand anymore. I couldn't find specifics, um, but it, I, I don't believe the Donna Karen brand herself is part of her. She has another brand, which we'll talk about at the end. So when I was reading and looking at the different pieces, I watched a lot of the older runway shows from her initial Donna Karen days. And so from the Anne Klein days to the Donna Karen days, and it's fascinating to watch because she changed the way the woman dressed. She took away the bulk and made things more fitted. She had movement in her pieces. She really focused on pieces that could be worn day or night, which is her whole concept. Her whole concept, and you could even see this today in Donna Karen pieces um, or vintage pieces of Donna Karen, 
anyone can wear them no matter where you live no matter who you are it is a type of line where it's suited for most individuals um obviously there's going to be exceptions here but her blazers were very simplistic her idea of mix and matching colors was very interesting so if you want to go on youtube and look at um her runway shows from the early from the 80s i should say uh there's a lot of purples mixed with browns mixed with blues like very 80s right the colors but it's done in such a sophisticated manner and it screams new york city which makes sense because this is where she's from and this is why she wanted to create she wanted to create the line that she created she wanted her brand to resonate with the New York woman who is always on the go. She's working. She's got kids at home. She's a, a mom, a wife, all these things. She still wants to look and dress nice because she loves clothes and she loves fashion, but she doesn't have the time to put the effort into being creative with these pieces, right? So you can really see that in those first years. So in 1985, Donna Karen really started to focus on her brand. And what we see in 1985 is what we call today quiet luxury. And I never put this together. But while I am learning about Donna Karen and doing this research, I realize, oh, this woman really put quiet luxury on the map without it having that label back in 1985. Everything was cashmere, linen, leather. It incorporated having blazers or jackets, circular skirts that are maxi length, plaid single-breasted blazers, long trench coats, evening wear that was focused on that extra long to the floor maxi, sparkles, sequins, eye slits, metallics. That was what she focused on. She loved the colors black and gold. Those were two things that you saw in 1985, which you didn't really see in other brands. She really wanted that minimalistic look to her pieces. In the 90s, she incorporates other colors, which we'll talk about, um, which really just two other colors, but black and gold was the main focus minus the plaid blazer, which I talked about, which had some color, but everything else was very much that quiet luxury feel that we have been talking about for the last two and a half, almost three years. Um, so, Donna Karen really, to me, pioneered that. That wasn't necessarily a trend at the time. They were still the power, the power suit was still very much a trend. Um, the shoulder pads were still very much a trend. And she was really backing away from that and creating this simplistic New York City woman look. Uh, when I think of New York City in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, this is like what I see. And now in today's world, because we've definitely gone back to that simplistic, minimalistic look with the uh, fabrics. She used a lot of suede as well, um, but it, it was a very fine suede, not anything thick. It still had movement in it. It reminds me of Halston's micro suede, where it was very lightweight and had movement, similar to that. And generally it was a jacket is what the suede um, was circled around. When it came to cashmere, it was very much the sweaters, the um, trench coats that maybe had a cashmere interior and a wool exterior or vice versa. Uh, so she really mixed the fabrics, but they were all quality fabrics. The metallics 
Um, I like metallics. I don't necessarily, I mean, I don't love 80s metallics, but I can see how it was um, revolutionary at the time, having an all metallic slinky looking dress um, or a metallic skirt that had a very high slit. She pushed the boundaries, but it was still classy in the way that it was done. And I never knew this, but Donna Karen believed the bodysuit was an essential for every outfit. It never looked sloppy. It kept a woman put together. It works with any body. And it focused on simplicity and minimalistic looks. I never realized that Donna Karen really put that on the map. All of her, all of her outfits or all of the silhouettes that you would see um, on the runway during this late 80s, early 90s timeframe incorporated bodysuits, corsets, um, or a bodysuit that was corset fitted. It gave each woman a shape. So she really got away from that bulkier look and really wanted to pare things down. And when you think about it, a bodysuit really does do that. You can wear a bodysuit under a blazer with um, high-waisted trousers with pleats and a pair of boots or heels, whatever you want to wear with it, or even sneakers in today's world. That's the look that she was doing. So she was very much ahead of her times when it came to this. She wanted simple and minimalistic, but she still wanted it to feel and look like luxury. That was very important to her because the New York woman loves luxury, but not with the price tag. Again, quiet luxury. Keep that in mind throughout all of this. That is what Donna was aiming for, quiet luxury. So if you know Donna Karen, okay, then you know that she had this phrase called the seven easy pieces. And this is what she believed every woman's wardrobe had to have these seven pieces and you could create multiple outfits with these seven pieces. Okay. So keep this in mind, bodysuit, skirt, tailored jacket, dress, something leather, white shirt, cashmere sweater. Think about that for a second. Okay. I'm going to say it one more time. Bodysuit, skirt, tailored jacket, dress, something leather, white shirt, cashmere sweater. This this right here is the minimalistic, neutral, quiet luxury trend that is not going anywhere, that has made the comeback and I guess has been in the European world for a while, but it has come back to the US. These are the seven pieces that she feels every wardrobe should have, and then you can mix and match accordingly. I myself have to agree with this. I think every wardrobe needs to have these basic pieces and then a good pair of denim, which is not in here. Um, but with these pieces, you can easily create an outfit for daytime, workwear, nighttime, lounging, whatever you want. This was Donna's personality. This was her idea of sensuality for a woman. You could pair the bodysuit with a tailored um, skirt, right? Circular skirt, so more maxi style, and then have a leather jacket over it. Or you could do the white shirt with a cashmere sweater over it and then have a tailored jacket over that with 
a pair of trousers. So everything that you see on social media, everything that you see all over the place, YouTube, you name it, fashion magazines, they all incorporate a piece of this. So she made the mark on these seven easy pieces. And I think that's so fascinating that this came from an American designer, because generally speaking, in today's world, we're seeing this from designers who are not American. Um, and at the time, American designers were not focusing on this in particular. They were more looking at the denim, the more streetwear, I guess, looks, we can say, um, or the other side of it all with the power suit, right? So she was in this new realm, and it really spoke to the audience, not only people on the street, but it also spoke to um, the celebrities of the world. This was what all the celebrities wanted. They wanted her look. They loved the way the pieces fit on the model's bodies. They loved how different it was and how modern it was, but still very classic and luxurious. It catapulted her into being one of the, I, I would say, most known, most highlighted, most worn designer in the Hollywood realm. People were wearing Calvin Klein, people were wearing Tommy Hilfiger, people were wearing Ralph Lauren. Yes, that was still a thing. But women really gravitated towards Donna's concept. Come now to 1995, she's established her women's line. It is it is thriving. It is doing well. Um, there's a lot of success around it, right? So we have that. In 1995, she's focusing on DK for men. And there was two DK lines, right? So there's the Donna Karen men's line that was very rock and roll. It was sophisticated, but it was cool. It was edgy and sporty. It had leathers. It was very New York City, young guy, going out, having a good time, but still had to be put together without it being super formal and feel like a tux. So like she did have suits, a suiting pieces, but they were more, I'd say like sport coats or sport jackets. That That's really what um, they were focused on. There's a lot of leather pieces, uh, a lot of sweaters with a half zip. So like a very 90s sporty cool guy. That was the initial line that came out. But then we have a more formal men's line that Donna Karen had. And this was all about tailoring and things that you can either dress up or dress down, but it was definitely just like the women's line focused on cashmere, leathers, suede, cottons, linens, quiet luxury for men, a lot of black and white. Uh, you didn't see any denim. It was, it was really black and white. That's really the only colors that existed, but it, it screamed well put together man who has a great career and is walking the streets of New York City. So she mentions in many, many, many interviews that she loved designing the men's line. It almost came across as if she did she loved it more than designing a women's line. Uh, and I think it's because she really found it fascinating to use the silhouette of a man to create something. She just found it 
I guess it was just more exciting to her. Not that the woman's line wasn't exciting, but to her, men's was where it was at to create this beautiful look. So we're still in 1995. Donna comes out with a spring collection that is shifted away from the cashmeres and the jackets and all of that. And it is now a total 360 and she has created nudes and slip dresses and slinky looks. Everything is nude. Everything. Very 90s, but also um, uh, some white. It felt a little Y2K watching the runway show. I know it was 1995, so it's not too far off from Y2K. Definitely ahead of her times because the, some of the pieces looked almost like shipwreck pieces. It was, um, I'd say, almost like an organza. Um, the organza flow the way the pieces moved but they weren't they were like natural fabrics and it looked like the girl was shipwrecked and they were like just pieces flowing off of the dress um almost like a mermaid style that's I guess a mermaid style being easier way to describe it so you had that um the everything was just the spaghetti strap nude slip dress that was basically the whole runway show. And and that didn't really exist until she put it out there. A slinky looking piece like that. She put that on the map for that era of fashion. It was still cool. It was still streets of New York because you could, again, pair it up or down with a leather jacket or a trench coat or something. But it was luxury. And I think this is the thing that we don't feel or see anymore today when it comes to Donna Karen. When we think of Donna Karen today, we don't think luxury. We just think it's a mall brand because that's where it is. And you'll see it in discount stores and stuff. But during this era, that Donna Karen was, was luxury. It was not what we think of it today. And there are still pieces, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, that are considered still luxury pieces with that black label Donna Karen. Um, I just, I find it very interesting what like how this all comes full circle. And she was such a pioneer of her time and created this luxurious, quiet luxury look without it ever having that label. It was just something that appealed to a certain audience. And now in today's world, we don't think of it that way. But if you really sit back and you were to find her pieces in the thrift store or consignment store or anywhere, or even in the mall, and quiet luxury is your style, you would gravitate to her pieces. You would definitely be the one to be, to say, that cashmere sweater is really nice. The quality is great. It's got all the things that I want, and it could be a staple piece in my wardrobe. It's still that to this day. We just don't associate Donna Karen with the luxury world. However, in 2001, LVMH um, does form a deal with Donna Karen and they wanted Donna Karen's American label. She is She was known all over the world. It wasn't just in the US. She had expanded globally. She had a cosmetic line. She had perfume, which I actually owned at one point. Donna Karen Cashmere is what it was called and I loved it. Um, so she had expanded and LVMH took them took on Donna Karen. So Donna Karen comes comes out of her brand and LVMH, LVMH I cannot say that. Pregnant brain, my goodness. Um, 
LVMH comes in and takes it. What I didn't men mention is in between all this, in between the Donna Karen line, we have DKNY. And DKNY was for the streets in New York. It was focused more so on lifestyle, on the younger generation. And the reason why she developed it was because of her daughter. So she wanted to have a line that appealed to her daughter's generation uh, that was for the younger crowd. It could still be sophisticated and fun, but it was more street New York and wearable and more affordable. So when you're looking at Donna Karen, you've got Donna Karen collection, which is her higher end. You've got Donna Karen men's. Um, and I believe it was like, I, think, I believe it was a DK men's too, which was like the more sportier tier. Then you have DKNY, which was the streetwear, I guess we could call it at the time. Uh, but today, in today's world, Donna Karen is the founder of Urban Zen, which is purely created to combine conscious consumerism and community wellness, which is interesting. Excuse me. Um, Donna has this uh, love, I guess you could say, for Eastern cultures. And really, this is where Urban Zen comes in for that. It's all about timeless clothing and wellness. So she's combining Eastern and Western culture together. And the brand is meant to elevate your inner peace and ready to wear dresses, home decor, and even furniture. I had never heard of Urban Zen. So I looked it up. Um, but before I kind of go into what Urban Zen is, I just want to finish reading. This is like a little blurb from the website. It is based on Donna Karen's philosophy towards life. She worked on this brand with a genuine intention to raise the Urban Zen Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization devoted to raising awareness and inspiring changes in areas of healthcare, um, culture, and empowering the mind, body, and soul of children. And she states, I have always wanted a store where the product supported a foundation, but of course, Urban Zen is so much more than that. So if you pull up Urban Zen, again, I had never heard of this, but they have apparel, they have accessories, they have lifestyle, they have body and skin, and then apparently they have stores. So this was all new territory for me. And while you are listening to this episode, I'm going to be on the website. So if you want to go on the website, go right ahead. Um, we're going to scroll through. I did not peek at anything. I wanted to wait and do it live with you guys because why not? I thought it'd be a fun element to do here. So it's urbanzen.com. And immediately it screams down a Karen. Blacks, whites, neutral colors, um, soft fabrics, flowy fabrics, tool fabrics. Um, there's this this middle photo here where it says seven easy pieces, which goes with her seven essentials, right? For your wardrobe. And it's so interesting because it just reminds me of like a Rick Owens, the way that everything looks. Um, everything is suede and leather. Holy moly, her price point is high. <laughs> and then she's got some houseware stuff on here, which is also very expensive and some articles. So it looks like there is a store um, on Greenwich Street and Main Street Sag Harbor. Let me just click on these. I'm just curious to see. So they're both in New York. So if you are in New York, please go to Urban Zen and let me know what it's like because it looks beautiful, number one. Um, so Sag Harbor, New York is where one store is located and the other one is Greenwich Street in New York. 
So we're going to get on that. Let's go back up to the top. If we are looking at apparel, she has cool weather wear, warm weather wear. So she does it in two different categories. And then she also shows her past collections, which I think is nice. I think it's nice when brands do this because you get an idea of what their evolution is like and what they did carry before. So for the cool weather wear, she has suede and leather, cashmere sweaters, down puffers, day to night, jersey, pure cashmere, ribbed cashmere, structured wool, um, and some other things on there as well. Warm weather, she has India silks, linens, washed silks, breezy cottons. Again, true to her initial foundation is when she became a designer. Very quiet luxury, very minimalistic, all the natural fibers. So I can appreciate that very much. Love the past collections, okay? If you want some inspo, go to the past collections because they are going to show you everything. The spring 21, fall 21, summer, spring 21. I Everything about this I love. <laughs> this is great for inspo. So if you like fashion, you'll enjoy that. That's definitely a, something that you will um, enjoy looking through. Now, let me just go to one of the apparel things. Let's look at, since we're in cool weather, let's look at cashmere and sweaters, just to look. To give you an idea of how expensive <laughs> Urban Zen is, a um, a cloud cashmere hooded prayer coat, um, which is basically a oversized um, coat that the hood isn't necessarily a hood. It's it. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like a cover that you put over. It's one whole piece, almost like a poncho. It kind of reminds me of. It is five thousand dollars. <laughs> um. So the price point is definitely luxury. Uh. If we look at the lofty cashmere crop turtleneck sweater, that is two thousand dollars. The pieces are beautiful. You can tell the construction is a plus. You can tell the material is amazing. Um, she also has her brand. Oh, so when you click on like the knitwear, it goes from lighter colors to darker colors to bolder colors. Um, so we have brown, red, uh, like a tealy blue kind of color, dark blue and gray. Let's click on another one. Let's go to suede and leather. So let's look at these price points, 3000 2000 kind of all over the place but really nice fabrication um it still is reminiscent of Donna Karen if you look at if you look at these pieces and you go back and look at some of her other pieces from her earlier days it's very much it, it's her everything about this screams her it's simplistic it has movement the fabrics are beautiful the price point definitely matches the look now um but you wouldn't know that it, and I, this is what I love about brands like this, you would not know that this is a $3,000 coat. You wouldn't know that this is a $1,000 dress because it just looks like an everyday dress. But when you wear it and you feel it, you know the quality and you know that it's luxury. It's almost like a little hidden secret. Like, oh, you think I may have gotten this at Old Navy, but no, no, this is a $5,000 piece. You know what I mean? So um, you have to have an appreciation for that kind of stuff to, I guess, to understand that. Um, but even like the linen stuff, beautiful, beautiful, uh, flows nicely. Body suits are still in here. You definitely see that bodysuit silhouette or an actual, actual bodysuit. Um, if we go to soft summer suede, 
these are interesting. So if you go, if you're on the website and you go to soft summer suede, you'll see what I mean, where it's not a traditional suede. It is like a micro suede, just like Halston. Like I said before, it's very flowy. It can be worn in warmer weather. Um, I don't think I would wear it only because it's very humid here, but I could see people wearing this in, we'll, we'll say West Coast. Um, jewelry. So she has jewelry on here and it's a lot of it looks like jewelry that you would find at Banana Republic, um, J. Crew. It has that kind of feel to it, very natural. So we have some of that. We've got bags and belt bags. Of course, the belt bag, their belt bag is $1,500. <laughs> Different variations of belt bags and um, interesting crossbody bags. Under lifestyle, we've got furniture made to order. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's just crazy. She really branched out. Sculptures. So all of this is stuff that you would have to, you know, order um, custom pieces, a coffee table, $10,000. I mean, these are luxury high-end things. And then she's got body and skin care, which doesn't look like to be much of anything. It's just eucalyptus and rose smudge sticks and then um, Young Living essential oils. Um, let's look at pillows. Just curious. Wow, okay. Uh, Daniela could never afford any of this. <laughs> a $400 pillow. Sure, why not? <laughs> but I guess if you have the money, you would do it. Uh, interesting that you, we talked about this in the winter trends, the oversized, really poofy puffer coat, like obnoxious, like marshmallowy. She has one as well. She's calling it the padded puffer coat and it goes for $1,500 to $2,000. Um, yeah. So urban Zen, this is where Donna Karen is living now in the urban Zen world creating still beautiful pieces, uh, doing things a little differently, but still has her true core philosophy in place. That has not changed, which I think is wonderful to see a designer and a brand to really stay in what they know and what they love and not straying from that because the world has changed or the world doesn't see it that way anymore. Um, I think about Mark Jacobson when we did uh, our deep dive on him and and how he really tried to shift and and match today's world and struggled doing so and it didn't resonate with people and the brand started to fall and it came back a little bit but it's like it's never made its full comeback where Donna Karen has found what works for her and okay she may not be in that realm like she was before but now she has her own project that aligns with her philosophies and goals and has created this luxurious we'll say more boutique style of a brand and she said it best she has always molded to the new customer and she has found her new customer and I think it's beautiful to see that evolution so I hope you enjoyed this episode not a crazy deep dive but enough for you to give an understanding as to who Donna Karen was where that brand came from um, how you can incorporate it if you're a live seller or you are someone who comes across some Donna Karen cashmere pieces, keep in mind that the price point you may get is not super high, um, but it's there. It's quality. You can definitely sell those pieces all over anything that's those natural fabrics. I wouldn't stray away from that. Um, 
I think if it came to picking up Donna Karen or DKNY, I'd pick up Donna Karen. Um, if you find any Urban Zen items, pick them up, clearly, <laughs> given the price point. Um, but yeah, that's that's all that we have today. Next week, you guys are going to get your spring 2024 trends. Um, there's some interesting changes going on. Nothing super crazy, but there's some interesting changes going on. So excited to bring that to you guys next week. Uh, and that's it. I hope everyone has a great rest of your week and we'll chat soon. Bye.